take a journey with me into the unseen realm of the paranormal. See it through the eyes of a demonologist. You're listening to the Cajun Demonologist Podcast. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for tuning into another edition of the Cajun Demonologist Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Leonard, the Cajun Demonologist. So today's episode, we are going to talk about what seems to be everyone's favorite subject nowadays, which is demons. So I figured we would go over the nine functions of demons. So I have put together a list of nine different functions that demons use in their tactics. So number one on our list of the functions of demons, we're going to talk about enticement or temptation. So first, let's take this from a paranormal investigator background. So I've noticed over the years that paranormal investigators will assume that demons typically react a certain way, right? Like they think that there are certain tactics that demon will use. So they don't, they take it for granted and they don't really do the research. Look, here's the thing. Demons do have certain characteristics, but never underestimate a demon on the tactics that they will use because they will use whatever tactics that is available for them to use. So let's talk about enticement or temptation. So demons will often use this tactic to draw people into sin to lead them away from God, okay? By doing this, it allows the demon to have a grip on that person's life. So here's a good example of how demons may tempt a person. So a a demon cannot just enter into someone's life, okay? We, We discussed that on previous episodes, but they will entice you or tempt you with something that you want really bad to basically open that door and allow them into your life. So number two on our list is going to be deceive or deception. You can actually find a reference to this in Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Demons will often deceive by people by planting pieces of truth and help them make bad decisions. Okay, so I'll give you a perfect example of that. So let's just use a a haunting scenario. So let's just say a couple has invited a demon into the home and now they have signs of infestation. So a demon will plant deceptive ideas in the mind of a married couple for one to cause them to separate and lead to divorces. Now in children they will cause them to influence their parents. Now in the worst case scenario a demon will mimic mental illness to deceive the loved ones. The victim will claim that they are possessed And then their loved ones will be forced to believe that they have gone insane and ultimately convict them to a mental hospital. So that is a very common tactic that demons will use whenever it comes to deceive and deception. Number three on our list is going to be enslave. You can find references to this both in Romans 8.15.2 and Timothy 2.26. So demons will entrap people into addictive sins, much like chaining a person down and force feeding them. Demons know the more that they entrap a person to addiction, they will open the door more to become their master. In a haunting, a person may be seen as a puppet of a demon. When fear strikes them or they fear the reaction, let's just say by demonologists or exorcists, When they come to visit, another form of enslavement would be backlash. 
Okay, so let me give you a perfect example of backlash. So let's just say we have a paranormal investigator who is going to research the haunting. They may find themselves under attack on, in their own home. So the paranormal investigator may be experiencing some type of real negative paranormal activity in their own home before they even go to the actual case itself. So what the demon is trying to do is trying to scare off the investigator and they're trying to claim ownership of that victim's life. So they don't want that, that you know, the paranormal investigator or especially the demonologist or the exorcist in that home because the demon understands that that person is a threat, that that person can undo everything that the demon has done up until that point. So number four on our list is going to be torment. Look, demons cause torment in multiple ways, okay? Either by possession or causing anxiety or mimicking mental illness. Okay, so look, it's common that most, especially in the paranormal world, most people understand that possession, especially when it comes to possession. Possession mimics mental illness almost to the point. And we talked about this earlier. Um, so, you know, the demons will, will torment a person. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to break that person's will, right? It's trying to break them down mentally, physically, spiritually. So if that person absolutely has no fight left in them, and the demon will eventually be able to gain control. So, you know, they will cause torment in multiple ways by either possession or causing anxiety to the point that fear sets in to the victim. The victim just fears in, in their will. They just completely break down. It gets to the point to where they don't understand or, or can tell the difference between reality and what's not. Everything becomes really, really clouded to the victim at this point. All right, so the next one is going to be compulsion and drive. Now, listen to me very, very, very carefully because I'm sure there's some of you that's listening to this right now and, and you're going to say, oh my God, this applies to me. But just, just bear with me. So do you remember the old phrase, there's no rest for the wicked, right? Well, that applies here and I'm going to explain to you why. Demons like to call pressure upon their victims, allowing them to stay up and do things late at night. They will often fill their victims with so much fear that they appear to have a mental disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder, which is OCD. Yes, OCD. My wife actually has that. I wonder if she's possessed. In a haunting, as soon as attack sets in, the, the victim may find themselves overly watching their children, for an example. All right, constantly making sure things are okay. I mean, so it's, it's like they, they, they don't feel safe. I mean, it's almost like a compulsive drive that's forcing them to do something. So in their working order in their home, making sure sharp objects are put away. Okay, so if you ever watch Ghost of Morgan City, here's the thing. In episode um, six, which was the Burrick Bloody Four, I decided I was going to confront the entity that was in that home. And I noticed that they had knives on the wall that was just kind of like on a magnet. It's like a magnetized knife holder. Okay. So when I spotted that, I had a flashback, you know, from a previous investigation where objects would fly across the room. And the first thing that 
come across my mind, I'm like, no, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to get stabbed with a sharp object. So I took all the knives, there was about six or seven of them, and I opened the door in the oven and I stuck the knives in that oven. Now that was for my protection, but when someone is under a demonic influence, okay, um, they may find themselves doing compulsive things like that. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like they, they, they're timid. They, they, they don't trust their environment that they are in, which really and truly they shouldn't, you know, but the demon will cause them to do things and act in a unnatural way, um, in which their personality was before the haunting actually started. We will be right back with number six, right after these messages. Come on over to Cajun Hut Jewelry and check out our new online store. Each piece is unique and handmade. Each piece of jewelry has something about it that says it's one of a kind. So please come and stop by Cajun Hut Jewelry and check us out at jeremyleonard.net. Oh, I guess that's my cue. All right, so thank you for tuning back into the Cajun Demonologist podcast. We will go over our last segment. So number six on the list is going to be defile. Now look, demons can defile people in several different ways. Whether it's stealing their innocence from sin to physical attacks such as manipulation. Look, I've seen cases where demonic entities can actually manipulate people. Look, so let me just give you a story, a backstory from a case that I done myself. So I was working on a case several years ago and the female, I had a very strong indication that she was under the very beginning stages of um, possession. Now, the possession had not solely taken place yet, but the process had begun. So, look, I, I wanted to make sure that I had time to prepare to do the exorcism on her, so we agreed to come back the following weekend and to perform the deliverance on the uh, female. Well, I think it was like uh, on a Tuesday night, I received a phone call from the uh, victim's boyfriend, and he said that they had a really, really rough night prior and he explained uh some of the details that were happening that night which i'm not going to really go into right here um so i made a decision that i shouldn't have to go the following day well my team was not able to go due to their work schedules so i decided that just me and my wife would go and um so i talked to the uh, victim's boyfriend and he told me he would be home around 6.30, 7 o'clock. And look, this guy was very grateful that I had decided to come, right? And um, I told him we would be there whenever he got there. So we got there about 5.30 that evening. And we were in the kitchen um, talking to the, uh, the victim. Um, I was going over the procedures of, of what was going to happen. Well, when the boyfriend walks in the door, he is very irritated, okay? I mean, you could tell from his body language to his tone of voice to his eye movement, everything. So he sits down at the table where we are and he's just clenching his fist. And he's like, Jeremy, I don't know what's going on right now, but it's like ever since I walked through this door, man, I just want to punch you in the face. So I knew exactly what was happening. Again, as we talked about this before, the entity felt me as a threat and it was going to do whatever it could to get me out of the home. So I explained that to him, 
hoping that he would be able to process that and understand exactly what was going on. Well, he continued to be very, very irritated. So when it came time for me to perform the exorcism on the girlfriend, I thought it would be best if he went outside. Because once I start the ritual, I cannot stop it, okay? Um, so he went outside, I locked the door, and whenever I got done performing the um, exorcism on her, look, demons have a certain way to mock people, okay? And what happened was when I expelled the entity from her, it went through me. And it was just like this bone-chilling coldness that just goes through your body. That was the entity's way of mocking me, okay? Because I defeated it in spiritual warfare. Um, so we went to open the door to let the boyfriend in. And as soon as I opened the door, the first thing I see is a pistol in his hand. So as, he opened, as I opened the door, he goes to raise the pistol up. And I don't know what happened. I think I grabbed his arm and pushed it against the wall. And my wife was able to get the gun away from him. And I performed an exorcism on him right then and there, even though he was not um, possessed. He was being manipulated. Very, he was being influenced very, very badly. So after we got done performing it on him, you know, and he explained to me what happened. He said all he knows is he was outside smoking a cigarette. And, he, and this is how I know he's telling the truth. He said he felt a very cold wind go by him. Now, remember, it went through me when I cast it out. So I knew he was telling the truth right in and there. And he said all he knows is he heard a voice that says, get the MFN gun out of the MFN car, knock down the MFN door, and blow that MFR's head off. So look, that, that demon was trying to strongly influence him to stop the process in which I was doing. Okay, because here's the thing you have to understand about when you perform an exorcism on somebody. If you ever second guess what you do, then it undoes everything that you just done. So a demon has to have a right to somebody. And when you perform an exorcism on somebody, you're breaking that right or that tie it has to a person. Now, if it can get you to one, stop the ritual, then guess what? Everything gets undone. All right. And then also, if you if it can convince you, the exorcist, in a way that you did not 100%, you know, expelled him, expelled him from that person, then guess what? Everything you've done is, is unraveled, and the entity still has a right. So that's what it was trying to do. So, you know, look, these things can really, really influence people. And I've, I've heard of cases to where they will be influenced so bad that, you know, Somebody rapes a woman. Let's just say a man rapes a woman that's being heavenly, heavenly influenced. So they're going to defile someone. So not only are they defiling the person that they're influencing to cause this, this horrendous act, but also the victim. That is how they operate, guys. You got to remember, these are a very negative type of energy. So naturally, they feed off of or draw in more negative energy. And the more negative energy they can draw in, the more of a grip they act can actually have on a person's life and have full control. All right, so next on our list is going to be teach or teachery, which is number seven. So a, a demon will teach people false doctrines, right? And that and the reason that is is for their victims to feel that their backlash that they are receiving is justified. So look, you know, as a, as a demonologist, one of the hardest things to really get through, especially whenever you're going to deal with a case, is the belief system that an entity has caused someone to really buy into and become obsessed with, okay? 
So the way that I handle this is I don't even confront it at all, right? I don't even ask them really what their belief system is. Now, if they want to tell me what it is, that's fine. Because you have to understand this. When the bottom line is whenever you start engaging in spiritual warfare, at that point in time, the battle is between you, the demonologist, or the exorcist in the entity, all right? Not the person that's being affected, right? So at that point, whenever spiritual warfare actually begins on a spiritual level, then to me, at that point, it's irrelevant, the belief system of the person that's being tormented and victimized, all right? So... All right, so number eight. Boy, we're getting down the list here. We only got one more to go. So number eight is going to be cause mental illness. Look, guys, I'm going to say this once, and I've said this a million times, but I'm going to say it one more. Not every illness is caused by a demon, okay? Let's, let's say that one more time. Not every mental illness is caused by a demon, but demons will cause symptoms that will be similar to psychological or physical weakness, um, I say weakness because the person may feel fine and may mention that they feel weak. All right. So their spirit is driven, which is a good sign that something is mimicking or causing mental illness. All right. So look in the flesh, it, when the flesh is weak, that is when the entity is the strongest. Okay. Now, if the flesh is weak, let's say with mental illness. So let's, let's, let's do it this way. So, if the flesh is weak, but the spirit or the will of that person is still strong, then guess what? That person still has that fight left in them, okay? So they still at that point have that chance to win that battle against that entity for their very soul, okay? Now, when the spirit gets weak and the flesh is strong, doesn't matter because you have to understand where the spiritual warfare take place in the spirit, not in the flesh. And that's where a lot of people really don't understand the concept of the spirit world or demonic entities. So, you know, and what I mean by that is I've seen many cases where paranormal investigators will go into a home and they will call this thing out. Oh, you coward. You want to do this to this family? Why don't you come and do it to me? To me, that's absolutely insane because you have not a chance in hell to stand up to that entity if it wants to just hurt you or destroy you in a physical matter. All right. On a spiritual level, on the other hand, if you're wearing the armor of God, okay, then you have a chance. You have the combat tools that you need to be able to defeat that entity, but it has to take place in the spirit, not in the flesh. Which brings us to number nine, which is our last. So restlessness. Look, demons produce tactics that can remove personal harmony from harmony from a person, peace of mind, physical well-being, and fellowship with others. Guys, it can cause someone to become very, very restlessness. You know, they they stay up all night. They don't sleep. They're constantly jittery. They move. They can't sit still. And, you know, they're always worried about something, even though they don't really understand exactly what it is they're worried about. So, you know, that's what they do. They cause restlessness. And the tactic, the reason they use that tactic is because, think about it, if they can cause you to be restlessness, okay, then you're, you're going to break down over a period of time because, one, you're not sleeping, okay? So you become mentally weak, which allows that demon to squeeze that grip it has on your life even more. 
So guys, I hope the nine functions of demons helped you understand the tactics and how demons operate. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to the Cajun Demonologist Podcast. Later.